Hi everyone, welcome back to another episode of Off the Couch with the Psych Guys. My name is Timothy Meyer, as always, with Dr. Constantine Wilkin. Constantine, how are we doing today? We're doing, we're doing well. We're doing well. I'm moving along. Excellent. So, so we recently celebrated Substance Abuse right. Awareness Month. That's right. Right? That's um, right. And I know that you do a lot of work with substance use. Right. So I want to pick your brain a little bit today about that. Sure. Yeah. It's, uh, it's, <laughs> September is often, I think, not known for that, or at least it doesn't have the, the recognition uh, as, as, uh, as the month where all the kids go back to school. Yeah. Right. Because <laughs> I think <laughs> everybody follows, stuff. right? Everybody follows what the kids do. Um, so I, I, how did you even, what, what led you down like a, like a specialty to work with a lot of substance use? So I didn't really start out that way. And again, I hate to say that I, huh. um, it's been um, kind of an evolving interest. My um, my uncle, um, you know, had a pretty significant alcohol addiction. Mm. So he actually he actually died. At, I think he was mm. like forty seven. Mm. Um, you know, so kind of to honor him, to kind of get a better. I didn't know him that well because of some of that or a good amount of that. Well, yeah. So he, um, yeah, he just was was inebriated and I think fell down some stairs. So, so substance use like really like touched, touched your family. Oh yeah, and, yeah, and yeah, yeah for impact. sure, for sure. And he was, you know, it's, it's so, it, it's all, it not, it's always sad, but it's, it's interesting to see that sometimes the individuals that struggle with addiction have such uh, amazing talents. Mm -hmm. Uh, yeah. like my, my uncle, he was like, uh, uh, an incredible chess player. He was a pianist. He like, he basically was a producer for a major, um, back in Eastern Europe, um, a major, um, uh, almost like an opera house. Okay. So he's a musician. So there's just a lot, so many positives. He was well known and yet at the same time. Yeah. Gifted and talented and, right. and clearly very good at what he, what he does right. and also suffered it's, it had to have been very bad. Well, it's, it's, yeah, if somebody issue. dies from it um, <laughs> at 47, that doesn't, that doesn't mean it was just a, it was, you know, it was a pretty severe kind of a situation. And, you know, when he died, I was, um, I think I was in high school, maybe middle school. So it doesn't, didn't really register that much because we're mm. here, he was there. And then it's not, I can't say that was the reason why I became a psychologist, but mm. it's just as, as, as my graduate studies and, you know, I've been doing this close to 20 years now, um, just evolved into like, that's right. You know, I, I, as you know, I work with a lot of guys, I work with a lot of couples Yep. and substance abuses is present, you know, oh, may, oh, yeah. maybe, you know, and obviously alcohol for outpatient at least is the number one by far. Yep. Right. If there's anybody coming in with some sort of an addiction to the practice, at least I would say nine out of 10 times it's, it's, it's alcohol abuse. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, so it's prevalent. You work mostly with men and males. You see a lot of couples. It's very prevalent in there. Right. So, 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 so a lot's coming at you. And also you have that, you know, personal impact from right. it. For sure. So that makes sense. All right. Yeah, so, yeah. so, so what do you think? Um, you know, you work with substance use all the time. Right. And of course, I don't think that we can go through everything someone needs right. to know about substance right. use. But I don't know if you were going to pick one, like one or two of your, like your go-to mm -hmm. kind of things that you draw on or things that you say a lot in session, what would they be? They would be, um, <clears throat> a lot of the time you see, especially in couples work is that, um, if we're going to focus on, um, let's say heterosexual couple and we're focusing on the guy as having the, the drinking issue, mm. uh, oftentimes we'll, what you'll get is something to the effect of, 
um, the the wife or the girlfriend saying like, I don't feel like I'm enough. I feel like she, he's cheating on me with the bottle or maybe not a person, but a bottle. So that's, so that's super common. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and that, you know, from my point of view, you know, if we can unpack that a little bit, yeah, what's please. really happening in those moments is that the, the, the gentleman in this case is choosing momentary pleasure, right? So what typically happens, right? Let's say he's contemplating giving it up or has and has some slips or some, re, um, um, you know, some more maybe significant relapses, mm. right? So what typically happens? <clears throat> in that moment, the, the gentleman is thinking about momentary uh, pleasure, right? Like right. be it, you know, I'm sure he had very good reasons, be it stress or feeling isolated. I, I hear a lot of being kind of oh, what, what I like to call overwhelmed with disinterest. Mm. Like at work, right? A lot of people say, oh, I'm so stressed. But if you if you break it down, what does stress mean? It's just overwhelmed with disinterest, doing a lot of things that you don't want to be doing, yeah. right? So that's a big one. Uh, just disinterest in general or boredom, mm. you know, though mm-hmm. feeling guilty, uh, uh, you know, other issues where maybe you're not getting along with somebody. So momentary pleasure is the way that they deal with it, right? That's that's yep. the gentleman's position. And, and sort of the girlfriend's or significant other, I would say, position is like, when when she's saying, oh, he's cheating on me with alcohol, she's basically saying like, we have value-based pleasure together. Our marriage, maybe our kids, our future, our finances, our health, whatever the case may be. She's yeah. focusing on like, I don't understand why he keeps doing it. Look, we have something special here. We have value-based. Mm-hmm. Value-based doesn't mean it's always pleasurable. Right. But let's say focusing on a relationship or a marriage. It's not always pleasant. It's fights and arguments. If you have kids, it's stressful. But it's value-based because the value just means something that you are invested in emotionally. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. So, and that's often the conversation. If you, to me, if you boil it down to one partner who is like, doesn't have the problem is saying like, we need to work this through because we have all these great value-based things we could be doing. And, and what happens for the gentleman is that it's not that he's ambivalent, but it's just, it's both. Yep. It's both. And in that moment, what, you know, what and, happens? Right. And, you know, because cause if you're thinking about it, let's say a gentleman, you know, a lot of people work from home now, right? Mm-hmm. What happens is, what, you know, the situation, let's say wife is a, kids are at school, wife is at work or wife is somewhere else, right? So the gentleman's sitting at home, it's lunchtime, right? Like in that moment, he's there by himself in the house, right? Mm-hmm. And it's, let's say lunchtime, just, just for, for the for sake. And then he's sitting there making this, trying to focus on this choice, sobriety and value-based living versus momentary satisfaction and momentary pleasure, right? Mm-hmm. And that's, for people who struggle with addiction, that is an incredibly difficult choice. It sometimes doesn't even feel like a choice, Yep. right? It says a lot of people say, like, I didn't go to the liquor store, my legs took me there. Mm-hmm. Like notice sort of the kind of the mindset there. So that those, almost like present everyday present moments is where a lot of the guys that I work with are and they kind of go back and forth back and forth and you know oftentimes let's say they're in on a path to sobriety or willing to give it a go you know oftentimes the value-based wins but not all the time yeah right and then for the significant other you know if they're tracking their improvement be like oh okay great sobriety doing all this great thing right and then their slip is seen as like ah why what happened here now it's impacting me negatively. I don't understand why he keeps doing it. I want to be here, but I'm also getting fed up, right? And for this gentleman, it's sort of like, you know, this 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 tug of war where are we going to do value based living or are we going to be doing like momentary pleasure? Right, right. That makes perfect sense. Now, how 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 would you say? You know, let's say 
they're in this case a guy mm-hmm. and there's an urge and mm-hmm. that and that and that momentary dissatisfaction right. is so is so high and, and that urge is there how how would you say mm-hmm. <laughs> if you could even put it into words sure. to move away from that that headspace over into the other one where we're looking at this the, the, looking at it from from a value-based sure headspace or mindset sure. so um in my point of view, seventy-five percent of of sobriety is is the person being willing to consider it. Mm-hmm. There's just so many people. They say they're willing to, but they're really not. Willingness isn't necessarily a behavior. Willingness is a space that the individual finds themselves in. Mm-hmm. So once we could switch to that sense of willingness, what, what we're then trying to do is then truly examine. What is it that you need to stay sober? I know that sounds super simple, but a lot of the times, guys, gals, whomever, fail because they're not willing. They're not willing to actually sit with that distress and try to figure out what kind of strategies that individual may want to use. Because for some people, I mean, Mm. some people probably know, other people, some of the listeners may not, there's great medication. Like mm-hmm. if you're really in intense throes of of having urges or you feel like you can't really trust yourself, it's really great medication that you could take that makes it hard for you to drink or almost next to impossible. Yes, it, it, and there's really, I mean, there's some, you have to kind of get checked once a month to make sure your liver levels are okay. But overall, it's just a great option mm-hmm. uh, that makes it next to impossible to drink, right? So sometimes that might be an option. For other people, that may not be the option. They would like maybe like an AA sponsor that they can call and text. Like that's a great organization for some people. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. For, for other people, it's really substituting momentary pleasure for something else. Really, again, giving up a, a substance like that really needs, the individual needs to do a lot of self-attunement, self-realization. What is it that you really want? Are we able to somehow substitute another momentary pleasure? Mm-hmm. Maybe one gentleman was telling me like one of the best things that he ever had was being able to be free to talk about it at an AA meeting. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Or maybe with friends. It doesn't really matter the setting, right? But just feeling free to discuss that was very helpful. Sure. Sure. So 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 it, it all starts off with, with that willingness. Right. Right. I, I and I guess I'm just gonna kinda take two things, maybe sure. push them together in, in my own brain. Um, value based decisions, really, and and just a true willingness to change. Right. Hmm. W- willingness to change because without it, and this is where I think a lot of the people who are in relationship with individuals that are struggling, you know, a lot of the times the person is maybe is uh, interested in changing the behavior to get the other person off their back. Yeah. Which unfortunately, all it does is builds more stress and frustration. Therefore, a person is more likely to relapse. Yeah. I don't think you have to be a shrink to figure that one out. Really. So a lot of the, because oftentimes people come in, the spouse is, is, you know, is very dissatisfied, understandable. So is, you know, yelling, telling, get out, like a lot of negative messages, right? Mm-hmm. So what is this person doing, right? When you're getting yelled at or being told like you're this, that, and the, what does this person do, right? They're probably one, shutting down. Two, they're saying, okay, I need to save this. So my behavior needs to change. So notice, shutting down behavior needs to change. So what they're doing, they're protecting themselves against the, ar- the, the yelling or the argument or whatever. They get. They're emotionally shut down. They feel guilty. And then they're changing their behavior or attempting to change their behavior. Okay, I'm not going to drink starting Monday, right? Why? Because they want the other person off their back. Understandably so. This person's dissatisfied. 
this person now dissatisfied wants to change behavior so they're kind of feeling better but also mostly just to get the other person to feel better because they're not going to be giving them negative consequences all the time right yep. so notice shutting down and behavior change that's not a recipe for a long-term change right it's the, just not possible the the motivation then turns into just not being yelled at right right you know so, so it's what is it the avoidance of ne of negative uh Negative punishment, positive punishment. I mean, correct, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, so that's not uh, that's not. I mean, studies have shown over and over again that just punishment doesn't work. Avoiding punishment, you you need to feel rewarded, not necessarily externally, but by somebody else, but somehow by like that's why a lot of people go to a. There's a community that's built on positive reinforcement. Yep, yep. It uh, anniversaries are celebrated. Right. Right. Um, you know, but before most people speak in AA, they, they, they talk how many blank days, years, right. months they are right. sober. Right. right. Um, but I, I think that that's such a really I think that that's such a good piece where people can really if they can, you know, sit with that. Right. Right. Are you truly willing right. to make a change or are you in that spot where like you're told that you have to right. and like, yeah, like you want to, but right. really the motivation is just to avoid some sort of negative consequence, right? right? That sort of thing. Really kind of like, a, I think people need to assess where they're at. 100%. Right? 100%. And if you're more so on the side of like, okay, I'm really just doing this to avoid being punished in one way, shape or form, then really, if I'm, take, if I'm hearing what you're saying, really maybe take a step back and sit and look at those values right. that we all have and, and really use those values and bring them up and bolster them and they will inform what you do or what you don't do. For sure. For you know? sure. And it's not, it's, it, it's not easy. Uh, <laughs> you know, I spend years talking to, to usually gentlemen about, about that process, but, um, but it's necessary. Again, a lot of, hopefully some of the viewers or listeners say, no, no, I'm willing. It really, it's almost like a, I don't know if it even AA is the best. I don't even know if therapy is the best. It's just like taking time for yourself to re really dig deep. Why are you thinking about giving it up? And also, this isn't to, to out anybody out. It's not like you have to share it with anybody. You don't even have to share it with your wife or spouse, whatever the case may be. But just for yourself, know where you're at. Mm -hmm. There's so many men that I work with that are just still in this not defensive, like I'm gonna do what I wanna do, but in a defensive where they're shutting down and changing behavior versus really being willing to look at, well, am I really willing? Maybe you're not really willing, but you also wanna save your marriage and how are we gonna navigate that? If you're truly not wanting to, but you wanna, right, like so th then, you, then you position questions a little differently. And I think that that's actually really important, even though it doesn't sound like it would be a quote unquote good thing. Right. You know, having a person come to the conclusion, maybe I'm really not willing. Right. Like at least you know where you're at, where you're starting off, and then we can have honest conversations. And you know, I, I would bet that so many folks maybe like maybe think that they're willing, right. but 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 really aren't. Right. I think that that's a right. really good point. I, and honestly, I think that that's a phenomenal place for really anyone to kind of start at, even, maybe even before they get into therapy or before they get to AA. It's, it's really, it, it could be helpful anywhere, whether you're thinking about giving it up, whether you're in the middle of giving it up, even if you're you know 20 years into it, it's a great reflection to have. When was that moment that you actually began to look at that you're willing to see a different life, yeah. right? There's so many now with like the, the YouTubes and, and Instagram and Facebook, there's so many celebrities that you could tell like, mm -hmm. you know, struggle for a while and then boom, 
Yep. Uh, what, what, what's his name? Uh, Iron Man always talk, talks about uh, Rob, Rob, Rob Jr. Right, like how that conversation with Mel Gibson was the thing mm -hmm. that really got him in a space of like being arrested several times to like now, you know, being an icon for so many people. Not not only because he's Iron Man, but also because of sobriety. Absolutely. You know, so if, if you are willing to consider a sober life, now more than ever, there's just so many opportunities to surround yourself. Uh, I think in AA, they talk about you get it by osmosis. You know, if you go... Mm -hmm. But you don't, yes, yes, it is awesome. You can go, but you could also surround yourself in social media. Yeah. Like pages that talk about sobriety, sobriety living. How does that look like? Follow, you know, Robin Downey Jr. or whomever you want to follow that, that claim sobriety and own it and do well. Like just, just focus on that because to get out, you know, I don't want to sound like a cliche, but to get out of a mindset that got you into an issue, you have to shift so that there's a lot more information <laughs> being, being perceived in the contrary, in this case, sobriety. It, it's hard to be otherwise. Yeah. And, and, and I, I think that that's really important. It, it leads to a mindset shift, right. which is really like, it really what you need. If you just right. try to, I don't know, like if your mindset's in the same space and you're, and you're truly not willing and you just try to, I don't know, muscle it through or right. just push it down or get through the urges, you're probably not going to be effective. It's You'll not be effective be for a month or two, but then... Right. That's why they call it honeymoon period, right? That's why every mm -hmm. time I say, well, here, even in therapy, in AA, they do it differently, but like, we don't celebrate weekly wins, still years. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. and just, I guess, one other thing to consider when we talk about momentary pleasure versus value-based pleasure, there's so many men, one, willingness is a huge thing, and two, you know, maybe sometimes they don't say it this way, but they, they want both. Mm. They want both. Mm. That, that's, if, if you really boil it down to where's yeah. the ambivalence, the ambivalence isn't to like, well... Forget about my family. You know, I just want to be a hardcore alcoholic and that's it. Leave me the fuck alone. Like that's not common. I mean, maybe sometimes that's true, but not common. Most most men come in, they they whether they say it or not, they want both. Because yeah. the idea is like, well, I want to have momentary pleasure and enjoy myself. And I also want to have value. I want a family. I want to have a good job. I want to have health. I want I wanna I wanna have it all. Right. And and for people who don't suffer from sobriety, if we're talking about alcohol, then or that maybe they could do it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so many people who can. Quick little side note, going back to uh, average Joe talk, ambivalence just means talk, feeling this, right. feeling two different ways about the same thing. Right, 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 right. So they, they might not. So it's not so much about, uh, it, it, it isn't about value or not. It's about mm -hmm. the, the person asking for sobriety, be it yourself or your spouse or somebody else, is, is asking to choose value-based pleasure and let go of this momentary pleasure, not all pleasure, but just this momentary pleasure. And the individual who's contemplating or thinking about giving it up, they're not really saying one or the other. They want both. Exactly. Right. So, so, so both wants are there, right? Right. The momentary and the value based. Right. And I think the idea is to, to use where to, to kind of shift our mindset over, whether it be reflection or journaling or AA or following different pages or surrounding yourself in a community that, that leads you to spend more time right. over in that other headspace right. Right. with that other want that is always there. Right. Right. And then doing our best to kind of like live there and be there right. and just embody all of that. For sure. For sure. And it's, and it's, uh, you know, a lot of men talk about how when they go to AA, a lot of men become humble over time. Oh, yeah. You know, and um, some men that are just starting out, they tell me like, well, I'm humble. And I'm like, well, you might be humble in other areas of your life. But here we talk about you want it both. 
and you want it when you want it at whatever cost you may want to for it to happen, right? So in that mm -hmm. way, if we just think of it there, not not really, because being humble in a way says like, I can't do this, I, I need to not do it so that I could move forward in another path, right? Kind of that's humility, understanding your limits, right? Yeah. To me, a big part of being humble, understanding your limits, like you can't do that and that's okay and you gotta do something else. Uh -huh. And you can grieve it, you could be disappointed, you could process it all you want. But the fact remain is, it remains is that you have to acknowledge the fact that you can't have that momentary pleasure. And that sucks yeah. because our ego, whatever, tells us we want it when we want it, right? Yeah. It doesn't mean about substance. It could be really bad. Anything. Yeah, chocolate. Anything. It doesn't matter. It, the, the point is, is that there's humility around, I can't do it. Mm -hmm. I tried. Some people try for 30 years. Some people try for five years, but I can't do it. Mm -hmm. I, I can't have both. And there's that moment of willingness. What's willingness? You're willing to be humble, to let go of one and embrace another. That's mm. really, if I could, now that we're talking about, if you could synthesize it, uh, that would be the synthesis. It would be, are you willing to be humble to appreciate you can't have both? Hmm. And you have to make a decision. And if you don't make the decision, life will make the decision for you, which is probably, you know, what happens? Divorce, kids don't talk, health issues, financial issues, right? Like it, it always leads to the same kind of like people don't want to talk about, it, but the fact remains it leads to the same thing. Yeah, it, it, it ruins lives. Right. So in, in that's where it is about being willing to be humble, to be able to let go of that momentary pleasure that feels great in the moment, but then there's obviously guilt afterwards, relationship issues. But that, that's where most people either spend six months or 30 years. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. or 50 or, or never, right? Or never, or just that ambivalence or, or that uncertainty is because the person doesn't make a choice, then that's what kills relationships, right? Because the person, the other person just gets tired of like, well, you're obviously not choosing this. And the person goes, well, you know, I'm still thinking or like still unaware, but like that in itself is already a choice, right? Not to get too philosophical, but that's a choice. And that choice pisses people off. Yeah. You know, and that's, that's it. Yeah, I mean, so so listen, I, I I think that that was really well said, you know, not to pat you on the back too much, but I th I think that was pretty dang good, and 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 I think that like like that's a really good spot for people to to reflect on. So for sure, I mean, listen, if if someone's gonna take something from this, I I hope that they're just able to kind of like bring their mind to that headspace of of what we talked about and really sit with those questions. Right. And I, I think that would be a phenomenal place to start if you are ambivalent about right. the substances that you're using or abusing. For sure, if you're, I guess, I'll leave you on this. Think about in your private space of your willingness to be humble, to let go of this momentary pleasure, right? Like not everywhere, it, there's a lot of people or they have enormous pockets of strengths. So it's not like, hmm. I'm not even asking to be like Buddha or Eka Tolle where it's humble all around. I'm not, I'm not asking for that. I'm just in this particular area, Yep. right? Just in this particular area, understand your limit. And, and, and grieve it or accept it or both or whatever process you need to go through. But that's where people need to get the moment an individual can get to a point, you know what? Yes, I'm actually willing to be humble around this area and I, and I know I wanna let it go and I wanna build value-based pleasure in my life. Then you're focusing on this, surrounding yourself with environment that fosters this. And then you're really interested in finding coping strategies around here. And, and that, this isn't rocket science. Like if you're willing to give it up, the behavioral changes, that this isn't, you don't have to do math. You, this is not calculus. Yep. Right? You have intense emotions, we're gonna have to figure out, or intense urges or desires, we're gonna have to figure out how not to do it, right? So, but the willingness to be humble around this choice, to me, is the number one predictor. 
Yeah, really well said. And I think really good take home points. And that's about all that we got for today. We are off the couch with the site guys. And thank you to the the viewers as always for tuning in. We'll catch you next time. Absolutely. Take care, guys. Bye.